Good morning. My name is Dan Martin, and I am so privileged to be with you this morning. Whether you're here, whether you're watching online, we are just glad that you're here, and I'm thrilled to be with you. And I'm just so grateful for Drew allowing me to talk this morning. And as we, uh, as I was watching online last week, and I was getting a, a better feel for kind of where you were in a series, and I saw Drew was doing a, a talk on finance last week, and Drew asked me to talk about sex this week with the ministry that I'm on. And so I'm, I'm trying to figure out, are we going to talk about politics next week, or are we going to continue in finances? But I am thrilled to be here. I'm with an organization called Pure Hope. And Pure Hope, many of you may know of us and some of you may not, but the reason that I am standing here today and the reason that I get to do the ministry that I get to do is because of this church, because of a vision that came from this church back in the 1980s. Um, Our founder, Jerry Kirk, was leading this congregation and had this vision for this organization called INCAP. And that is kind of grown and evolved over the years, and now we are a ministry called Pure Hope, and I have the privilege of doing that. And so on behalf of our staff, on behalf of the board of Pure Hope, I just want to say thank you. Um, Thank you for just the, the vision investment and the financial investment and the encouragement that this church has brought to our ministry for many years, because... Because of you, it it is that we get to do the work that we get to do. I came on staff at Pure Hope in 2009. And as I would learn more and more about the organization, I kept hearing about this church. And so for me to be here this morning addressing you and talking to you this morning is just such a great privilege. And I'm grateful for that. I want to give you a brief introduction to who Pure Hope is before we get into our scripture for this morning and we look at what the Bible is going to teach us today. We have a very unique vision at Pure Hope. Our vision is a world free of sexual exploitation, a world free of sexual brokenness. And that's a lofty vision. In fact, that's a vision that's impossible for any organization that's made up of a bunch of imperfect human beings to accomplish. But it's also a vision that is based on a promise. And that promise is that one day our king will return. One day our king Jesus will return and he will make all things new. And that world free of sexual brokenness will happen one day. In the meantime, as we work waiting for for our king to return, our mission and, and what our organization is focused on is a couple of things. One is to help the church, and by the church I'm talking the capital C, the body of Christ, helping the church to reframe how they talk about and how they view sexual purity. And that is a, that is also a very lofty mission that we have because there are so many thoughts and ideas of what sexual purity is. So I want us this morning to look at the Bible, to take a, a deep look at what the Bible has to say about these important topics. Because here's the thing, the bottom line, as God's children, we should embrace God's gift of sex to us. 
We should see it as a blessing because he is the author. He is the creator of this beautiful gift that he's given to us. And it is a powerful gift. It's one to be enjoyed. It's one that should be fulfilled within the covenant of marriage. One man, one woman in a lifelong covenant of marriage. I want us to to look at a passage this morning. And before I do that, I want us to pray. Can we bow our heads together? Gracious Heavenly Father, um, we are grateful to be gathered this morning, to be gathered under the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. And Father, this morning, as we read your word, as we look at what your word has to teach us, I pray that you would open our hearts. Father, I pray that you would open our ears to hear what you would have us hear this morning. And I pray that you would be glorified in all that is said. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. I want us to look at a passage in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and we're going to read verses 1 through 8. Paul's writing here, and he says, Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the name of Lord the Lord Jesus, that you, as you received from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger in all these things. As we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you, for God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. What I want us to see here in this passage, our first point this morning, is that our sexual stewardship is a part of our pursuit of holiness. And a synonym for holiness is purity. One translation that we, that, uh, in the passage that we read, where we read in verse one at the end, it says, just as you are doing that you do so more and more. One translation says it this way, that you excel still more. Paul tells us and he shows us that our spiritual maturity and our sexuality are connected, our pursuit of Jesus. I find it so interesting that Paul, who wrote this passage and had so much to say about sex and sexuality, Paul was a single man. He was a celibate man, but yet he wrote so much about this important topic for us. 
Because here's what Paul recognized and what he promoted in his ministry that is so important for us to see as well. That we were created by God as sexual beings. It's not a peripheral issue, our sexuality, but it is core to who we are. It is core to being created in the image of God. Whether or not we are married, whether or not we are committed to celibacy in our pursuit of holiness, or we are married engaging in sexual activity, all of us this pertains to. And it's important for us not to miss this because we should see sex as a vital part of our identity before we begin talking about an activity. You see, it wasn't until about a 100 years ago when the conversation of sex came up that we would think about the activity of sex. Typically, when this has been talked about in the church in the past, it has been an issue of identity. Our identity, our kids' identity is under attack today. The very identity of being created as male and female is something that the world and our enemy wants to destroy. As image bearers of God, male and female, we are sexual beings and our creator has made us that way. It is who we are. It is part of who we are. And we're all stewards of this beautiful gift. We will one day give an account for how we stewarded our sexuality, just as we will give one day give an account for how we steward our finances, how we steward any good gift that God gives us. Paul lets us know in this, this passage in 1 Thessalonians that there are two ways in which our sexuality can be used. It can be used for selfish and godless passion as he talks about in verse 5, in a way that that is far from how God intended it to be used. Or, as we saw in verse 4, it can be used in holiness and honor and in a way that is part of our sanctification, our purification. And I think when we see sex this way, that our sexual stewardship is a part of our pursuit of holiness the way that God intended it to be before sin and rebellion entered the world. It will change how we live it out. We read in Genesis chapter 2 that Adam and Eve were naked and they were not ashamed. It wasn't until sin and disobedience of of God's word and, and God's commands that they began to feel shame and discomfortness of their nakedness. That we all continue to feel that same shame and discomfort even to this day. In Genesis chapter 3, one chapter later, we read that Adam was afraid because he was naked. And so he hid from God. Sin has destroyed and is destroying this beautiful thing. I think this is so important for us to to recognize this good gift that God has created and given to us. When when I was growing up in the church in a Christian home, I wasn't taught about sex, not in this way. I was taught I was taught about sex in a way that warped my view of sex. And when we have a warped view of sex, it can lead to some poor stewardship in our sexuality. 
And that was the case for me. And so now, having the opportunity to be a part of the work of Pure Hope, I see my primary role as bringing back this beautiful gift and talking about how God has created sex for our good, how he has created sex for deeper intimacy in this relationship, in this covenant of marriage. So when these well-intentioned adults in my life failed to talk about sex in a positive way, in a way that the Bible talks about sex, it led to some, some poor behavior on my part. Many of us who've, who've been around the church for any period of time, um, we have been impacted by the messages of what I'll call purity culture. Purity culture was this approach when I was a kid and, and a, an approach that the church took that sexual stewardship basically was about dealing with and controlling behavior. It focused on young people like me making a commitment to staying pure. It was a very well-intentioned movement that I believe ended up doing more harm than it did good because I believe that it was based on a reaction, and I believe that reaction was fear. Whenever we approach any topic, any topic, any gift that God has given, good gift, with fear, we're going to get off track. I believe that a more biblical and a better approach to thinking about sexual purity is not a call to stay pure. Rather, it is a call to pursue purity in each of our lives. You see, you and I were born, as the psalmist tells us, in iniquity. We never were pure. And the idea of staying pure is not only unbiblical, it can be harmful. And as a young man, I quickly realized that my thoughts, that Jesus tells me even my thoughts are sinful when they, when they lust for someone else. That my desires and even sometimes my actions were not pure. When I heard the folks around me, the adults in my life, the well-intentioned adults encouraging me to stay pure, I would think to myself, well, I guess this purity thing isn't for me. I believe a more biblical and accurate way for us to view sexual purity is this. Purity is a relationship, not an accomplishment. I want to look at another passage as we explore this idea of purity being a relationship and not an accomplishment. It is 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3 verses 1 through 3. The Apostle John says this, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him. Because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. The pursuit of purity is the pursuit of Jesus. Jesus is 
the pure one. There is only one human who has ever been born into this wicked world who has remained pure and sinless. The name of our ministry is Pure Hope. And it comes from that passage, 1 John 3, 3. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. It is only in a relationship with Jesus, a relationship where he is purifying and sanctifying me, that I have any hope of being pure. And I think this message is so important. I I was speaking at a church several years ago, and I described this idea of pursuing purity as opposed to this idea of staying pure. And a young lady around the age of 14 or 15 years old came up to me afterwards, and she told me her horrifying, sad story. When she was seven years old, she had been raped by a close family friend. I was horrified. I was saddened to hear this young lady's story, and I wept with her as she recalled that time. But she went on to tell me that she had been told that her purity had been lost, and she believed that. She saw herself as unclean, impure, damaged goods. And I had the privilege of talking to that young lady for about an hour afterwards. And this young lady went from viewing herself as damaged goods to seeing herself as a child of God. That she was being purified by her Redeemer, Jesus. This message that this young lady had received was a message that I believe the enemy wanted her to hear, that she was damaged good. She was beyond repair. The bottom line for us, no matter what we've done, no matter what mistakes that we have made, no matter what has happened to us because of the poor mistakes of someone else, purity is something that we can choose. Purity has been accomplished for us by the pure one. This is the message of grace and redemption that we see in the scripture. Something else that we see in the scripture is that the pursuit of purity is not just a passive pursuit. It is a pursuit that we are encouraged and even commanded in scripture to participate in. Yes, Jesus is the one who does the work, who has done the work, who is purifying me. But scripture teaches all of us that we have a role to play as well. We are to cooperate. The apostle Paul wrote this in his letter to Titus, Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 14. He says, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. 
our pursuit of purity, our pursuit of holiness is a cooperation of our spirit and his spirit in us. You and I will fail in our pursuit of purity apart from God. It is only by the work of sanctification and purification of Christ in me that I have a hope to one day be pure as he is pure. And that's the promise that those of us who place our faith in Jesus Christ one day will be pure as he is pure. God calls us to flee from sexual immorality, to run from worldly and godly, godless passions. But that alone does not purify us. That is why the message of purity culture, the message of abstinence, falls short of the message of purity. Are we to abstain from sexual activity outside of marriage, that marriage being between one man and one woman? Yes, absolutely. Scripture commands us to do that. However, if we think that that makes us pure, that abstaining from something makes us pure, we're not only mistaken, but we become prideful in that when we believe that. The pursuit of purity is a pursuit that does not end on the wedding night. It ends at what the Bible refers to as the wedding supper of the Lamb. When Jesus returns, when he comes back, there will be a great wedding feast. Sexual stewardship is for everyone because every one of us are sexual beings. Sexual stewardship is a pursuit of Jesus, the pure one. It is only when we see sex as a wonderful, beautiful, holy, and sacred gift to be cherished and enjoyed that we begin to thrive as sexual beings, as God created us to be. And this is true whether we are single or we are married Sex is an amazing gift and the sexual union of one man and one woman in a lifelong covenant relationship is where God not only intends for sex to be practiced and enjoyed, it is a place where he uses sex in our lives to cultivate a deeper intimacy. It is a beautiful picture of becoming more intimate, becoming one flesh, as the Bible puts it. One of Paul's other amazing teachings about this beautiful union of a man and a woman is found in Ephesians 5, verse 21. And Paul says this, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Paul is quoting from Genesis there, and then he goes on to say this, This mystery, this one flesh union, This mystery is profound. And then he says this, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. You see, sex tells a story. Our understanding of God's story of sex should be one in which we are growing and learning more and more. The story it tells is profound. It is a prelude to what we will one day experience When Christ returns, when the bridegroom returns for his bride, Jesus becoming one with us. 
That's the story that sex tells. That is the beauty. That is the picture that it gives us. I had the, the privilege recently to travel to the continent of Africa, to Togo, West Africa. And it is a beautiful country. I had been to Africa before, but never West Africa. And I had the privilege of teaching this message and, and a deeper message, a deeper understanding of God's story of sex to a group of pastors and a group of ministry leaders. And here's our picture um, that we took at the end of this conference. Trips like this helping us to accomplish a world free of sexual brokenness is one of the things that I'm so thankful for to this church and to people in this church for your support of our ministry because this message needs to be global. This message needs to be proclaimed from sea to sea, from continent to continent. I also had the privilege this past week um, as God continues to open doors for international ministry for Pure Hope, I had the privilege of training 12 pastors, 12 Filipino pastors on a Zoom conference call. Uh, I'm so grateful for the technology that we have because we had the opportunity to, to spend an hour and a half with these pastors. And we had an, uh, uh, about an hour of time afterwards to just talk with one another, to hear their questions and concerns. And some of these leaders just lighting up to hear this positive message and this hopeful message. And these two impactful and amazing events are going to have incredible impact in the countries where they were, where they happened and in the region of the world around there. And I just want to again say thank you to this church and those of you who've made that possible. Later this afternoon, I'm going to be leading a session where we're going to look closer at understanding God's story of sex. We're going to look at not only how we understand that and embrace that as individuals, as sexual beings, we're also going to look at how we communicate that message to the next generation in a positive way, how we help them to pursue purity in their lives. And I want to invite everyone. This is not just an event for parents or people who want to, 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 to just speak into the lives of kids. This is a message for every one of us. And I want to invite you at four o'clock to come back and we're going to spend some time exploring that this afternoon. And I want to say this in closing as we wrap this up. Sex is not something that we should be ashamed or afraid to talk about. It is a topic that the Bible does not avoid. It is a topic that is spoken about a lot in the Bible. And it's talked about in a very positive way. The shame and the fear that we feel regarding sex is a weapon and a tool of the enemy. He does not want this positive message to be spoken about. And I want to encourage us to see it for what it is, a good gift, a good creation that God has given us. And he is teaching us how we are to steward this good gift. And I want us to be encouraged and strengthened to pursue purity each and every day because the pursuit of purity is a choice that we have. No matter what we've done 
And no matter what has been done to us, you and I wake up every morning with the opportunity to pursue the pure one. And he is purifying us. Let's pray.